What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. Those who know me know that I am not big into extremes, but I am big into sustaining a healthy lifestyle. And the way that I do that during this pandemic and ongoing is having options to do at home. My preferred option is OXO On Demand. That's A-U-X-O fitness.com. Great options for working out at home, bar classes, body flow, lots of gentle yoga. I highly recommend you check them out now to this week's episode. Welcome to the second podcast episode of 2021. This week, I am continuing my goal of staying extremely open-minded and bringing on Doug Sands. Doug is a consulting hypnotist who helps would-be adventurers overcome fear and anxiety. Having struggled with mental illness for years, he discovered meditation and hypnosis after nearly freezing to death in a blizzard in New Hampshire. Doug is also the host of the Making Meaning podcast, a show that interviews top adventurers about the struggles they've overcome in their journey. His goal is to help those wanting more out of life to step in to the hero's role of their own adventure. I had a really great interview with Doug. It opened my mind and heart to a lot of things about hypnotism that I think I was maybe unintentionally closed to before. So I encourage you to listen with an open heart and mind as I did. I learned a lot and I definitely validate the potential help of hypnotism for many people who this really is for. So here we go with Doug. All right. I'm so excited to bring on Doug Sands today. And uh, yeah, his work is really interesting. We haven't covered this topic before, and I'm really excited to kind of dive in and and have him sort of dispel some of my own myths and misunderstandings. And maybe those are also some that you have. So thank you so much for joining me today, Doug. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right. Well, before we dive in, let's start with what does true wellness mean to you? Oh, true wellness for me means when your mental health and your physical health are in alignment. Because I see a lot of people who prioritize their physical health and go to the gym, I don't know, four times a week and really just push themselves to the absolute limit. And I also see people who are really good in the mental health space, who are, they meditate and they feel great about themselves, but they kind of let their body languish. I think true wellness for me means when you combine those two when you feel good physically and you feel good mentally. Mm, Definitely agree. That's why I always say health is a state of body and uh, wellness is a state of being. And so I I love that uh, just kind of bringing those two together because oftentimes it's it's usually a very, you know, strict focus on one or the other and bringing them Mm -hmm. together is really super important. So let's dive into your background. How did your journey lead you to meditation and hypnosis? I don't think anyone really starts life thinking they're going to be a hypnotist. It's kind of one of those out there careers. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm in rural Wisconsin, and I thought I was going to be a fiction writer. And looking back now, I think that my background in English and language 
really gave me a steady foundation for hypnosis, but it's really only when we look back that we see that through line. And um, I was looking for something that would give me purpose, as many of us do in that time of our lives. But I've been struggling with my mental health. And so it was a little more of a desperate search for me. I wanted something that gave me purpose, but also helped me conquer my own mental issues. And so I ended up dropping out of college because it wasn't quite a good fit at the time. I bounced around the U.S. doing some seasonal work. And in New Hampshire at a seasonal job, I ended up on a hike in a blizzard. And I almost froze to death because I got lost on this mountain and night was falling. It was kind of a drastic situation. But it took me getting to that point to really open up and say, all right, I'll accept whatever comes my way as long as you know I can back it up. And so I started researching like meditation and spirituality and other things. And I was hooked. I discovered meditation. And it was the first time I really learned just how much control I can have over my own emotional states. And a lot of people don't realize, but meditation and hypnosis are very strongly linked, especially in the brainwave patterns. And when I discovered hypnosis, and when I discovered the effects I could have on my own mind, even with the rudimentary tools that I had at first, I knew that I had to get certified so I could bring it to more people. And now this is what I do full time. I work with people all over the world. I specialize in anxiety relief and I focus on uh, people who are looking to live adventurously because that's kind of my story. But I also do other things like weight loss hypnosis and building confidence and other things that you typically would see a hypnotist for. Okay. Super fascinating. So this hike in the blizzard, you know, uh, it, it kind of brings me to the concept of surrender you kind of alluded to that, but maybe didn't necessarily use that language, but I was thinking those are the moments, right. When you're like, all right, I'm just going to give in and, um, give over, not give up, but, you know, give over the control of what this might look like. And, and, you know, then you're sort of led down the path of, of meditation and hypnosis. So, what I would love to kind of go back a little bit. I mean, it's definitely a big leap to go from fiction writer, you know, the, the desire to be a fiction writer to, to now the work that you do. How do you feel like those have sort of paired with each other? Or how does that previous desire and your love for writing now pair up with the work that you're doing? Mm, hypnosis is heavily based in language. I mean, that's pretty much all it is. It's using psychological tools and then incorporating those with language patterns to get people to that state. A lot of people, when they hear the term hypnosis, they think of someone swinging the pocket watch, but oftentimes one of the most powerful ways that hypnotists help people change is by telling them stories and not just like, you know, giving them life fables, but um, telling them stories in a hypnotic way and using hypnotic language patterns within that story to really evoke that change. Some of the first hypnotists of, you know, of the human race were the, the storytellers who would, stel- who would tell stories around the campfire. And we all have experienced this because we've gotten lost in, I don't know, a good book or a good movie or something. When you are engrossed in a story, your mind focuses on that and it kind of excludes everything else. And so in that story, you can give positive um, suggestions and life lessons that really slip past that critical part of their mind and help make those powerful changes. And so while storytelling is not like the focus of what I do, it's not like the only thing I do. I think there is a very strong 
uh, foundation in storytelling with hypnosis. Super fascinating. I really have never thought of it that way. Honestly, I'm pretty ignorant to this topic in general. So I'm going to speak out of my ignorance in hopes that maybe some of my listeners share my ignorance or can at least understand my ignorance. But I feel like I'm overall pretty open-minded. Life, you know, is kind of, I guess, taught us all to be. But honestly, I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to this concept, or at least I have historically been. I'm definitely more open-minded now. I don't have any personal experience with hypnosis, I, either myself or any of my own patients or clients. So can you talk to me and anybody like me who might be listening about just the basics of what hypnosis is and maybe what it's not? What are some of the myths of the general public and why they're skeptical like me? And then why, why is it legitimate? Of course. What a lot of people, or I should say, the what interests me is that hypnosis and meditation are so uniquely linked like a long-term meditator when they first experience hypnosis they say it felt just like a really deep guided meditation and the brainwave patterns back that up and whereas meditation and mindfulness has really skyrocketed hypnosis has kind of lagged behind and i think in the last decades we've seen a lot of it catching up but it's still um kind of suffering from those early misconceptions and one of the first things people always ask me, you know, is hypnosis mind control? And I always say, of course it's not, because hypnosis is all about communicating with your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is that part of you that runs your heart valves, your lung synchronizations, your, I don't know, 500 or so liver enzymes. It's that part of you that's keeping you alive. And its one goal is to keep you safe. And as an extension of that, it's to keep you happy. And if at any point a person, whether a hypnotist or anyone else, gives you a suggestion that your unconscious mind does not agree with, that it doesn't think will keep you safe, it's not going to accept that suggestion. A friend of mine, a hypnotist, actually did an informal study. They had some volunteers, and in hypnosis, they gave them four beneficial suggestions and one negative suggestion. And every single time they hit that negative suggestion, the person was jarred out of that trance because the hypnotist had broken that trust and they no longer were able to reach that deep state. And so hypnosis, it's all about that level of trust and it's all about the person making those changes for themselves. Hypnosis is not like witchcraft or magic. It's not me changing someone's mind. It's me helping a person get to that deep state and then using psychological tools to give them essentially the tools that they slay their own demons with and uh, get themselves out of that maze. And hypnosis has been studied for over 150 years and it's been backed by quite a few you know, big name scientific associations. I think the earliest was the British Medical Association backed it up in 1892, I believe. And they actually went so far as to recommend that most doctors receive a 144 hour course in hypnotherapy. I believe the uh, American Medical Association was next. That happened in 1958, I believe, followed by the National Institute of Health, uh, the American Psychological Association. And it's even approved by the National Cancer Institute as a treatment modality for those suffering from the disease. Hmm. Okay. I didn't even know all that. So that's pretty fascinating. And I think it does speak a lot to the scientific basis of it when that many organizations are, are getting on board with, even to recommend that doctors receive 
training in that definitely speaks a lot. Okay. So take us through, you know, I definitely like the parallel with guided meditation because I am definitely somebody who meditates. I have led guided meditations and I, I like the parallel there. So that's opening the door for me a little bit, hopefully to our listeners as well. So take us through the process. So when you are putting somebody under hypnosis and, you know, there might be nomenclature or verbiage here that I'm not using correctly, but when this is occurring, kind of walk us through just from the beginning, what you're doing to get them relaxed. What does it take to sort of get into the state and then what's happening when they're in the state? Yeah. So when I first see a client, that first session, the first 10 to 15 minutes, I'm breaking down those misconceptions and myths that they believe. And then the next 10 to 15 minutes, I, work with a person to craft these suggestions in their own language. And a lot of people don't expect that. They think I'm just going to give suggestions and it's just going to be fine. But when I work with a person, I want to make sure I define their issue that they're working with in their own terms. Because if I think you're coming in for anxiety, my definition is different from your definition of anxiety. And by crafting it in their own language, when I give those suggestions later, the unconscious mind has already agreed to them and it's much more likely to accept them. And so after that, we begin the actual hypnosis. And that involves a lot of language patterns. And um, that for someone who's experienced guided meditation, as you have, it's very similar to that experience. Just a little more, I don't want to say intense, but a little more grounded in psychology and the research behind it. So when we look at the actual brain waves of uh, meditation and hypnosis, when you're going into solo meditation, you're actually, your brain waves are speeding up. They're going above our normal range into what is called the gamma frequency. And when you're in guided meditation, you're typically going the other way. You're going further down the scale. Your brain waves are slowing down. They're going closer to sleep. And in a really deep guided meditation, that's where you go. You go to theta frequency, which is just above that sleep state. If you've ever had a really great idea right before you've fallen asleep or something along those lines, that's that zone, that frequency of your mind, because that's the creative state where you go when you're in um, these guided meditations and also in hypnosis. It's the same frequency. And so hypnosis, I often tell people, is very much like guided meditation. It's just got the, the science to back it up. I don't say that guided meditation does not, but it's very intentional on getting people to that state and keeping them there and then helping them to make those changes. So once we've got to that deep state, that theta frequency, then I'm bringing in psychological tools from therapy, from neurolinguistic programming, from neuroscience, tools that help people to visualize and change these programs in their own brain because our brain is constantly rewriting itself. It's literally restructuring it every single time we access a memory or we make a new memory. And so what hypnosis does by changing our representation, the symbols of our memories and our experiences, we're actually reversing the process and changing those structures in our brain. You can actually see the, the brain change after a really deep hypnosis session. And so after that, we bring them out. And with five to 10 minutes left of the session, I typically do a a secondary hypnosis session just to double check my work, to make sure that they're not just feeling good in the moment. 
that that change is actually going to stick with them. And so we do what we call future pacing. We imagine them in hypnosis in a future situation where they would face this issue again. And I'm double checking with all of their, you know, visual cues and uh, I should say their body position and everything like that, just to make sure that their unconscious signals are 100% congruent that the change has actually happened. Hmm, this is super fascinating to me. Okay. So when somebody is, has reached the theta state and that, like, so that's the, that's the goal is to get them to that state and then to work with them while they're there. Do they have a, an awareness of being, do they know what you're doing at that point or how does that work from their consciousness level? Absolutely. A person in hypnosis is always aware. And that's another misconception that people have. Like you're not going to sleep because if you can't focus on the words that a hypnotist is saying, you're not going to be able to focus into hypnosis because hypnosis is just that state of focus. And sometimes people naturally, like they, they drift out there consciously and they don't remember some of it. But most of the time, a person is completely aware and completely alert, even though they're kind of in that, um, that deep state of meditation or hypnosis, they're still processing what's going on around them. And to give an example of that, um, I always tell my, my clients that if there's an emergency or something, you'll be able to handle it. And this didn't happen to me, but to one of my mentors in the middle of their hypnosis session, all of a sudden the woman woke up and she bolted out of the room and the guy was standing there like, what just happened? She came back five minutes later and said that her parking meter was about to run out. And so she'd woken up her, her main, her, sorry, her mind said that, you know, there's something you really need to attend to right now. And if something like that happens, your mind is going to bring you out of it because it is constantly alert. It is constantly listening and keeping track of the environment. Wow. Super interesting. Okay. I would not have expected that. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, let's say like a fire breaks out or, or there's a need to respond urgently to a matter. Um, you know, would you have to drag them out or would they be aware of what's going on? But that's even a little bit deeper, I think, is recalling that there's a, a meter that needs to be paid. I would not have expected that to be sort of the mind have the ability in that state to, to bring that back up. So, okay. Really interesting. So talk to us a little bit about when you are working with somebody, they're in the theta state, you're working with them. What, how, what are you working on? So I guess the question is, what are they coming to you for? What is, what is a goal of a client who's coming to you and how do you help with that transformation? Like how many sessions does that look like? And what are some of the transformations you're seeing? I spe so I specialize in anxiety relief because that mental health has been very important in my own life. But I also see people for building confidence, for weight loss, for really anything that you can do hypnosis on. The one thing I really don't do that people really think of for a hypnotist is I don't do smoking cessation because when a person signs up for the session, they're usually in one frame of mind. And when they show up to the session, they're usually not in that same frame. They're like, ah, you know, I signed up for this. I might as well go. But when they signed up to it, they were ready to make that change. And that's what it comes down to. When a person is ready to make that change, it's very, very simple to help them with the right tools. And when we're in hypnosis, we're using tools that work on either their memory or their future. And 
to break those down, when you're looking at someone's memory, oftentimes when we're working with traumatic events, we're looking at things in their childhood, either that they remember or that they've repressed. And one of the cool things about hypnosis is that unlike therapy, you don't have to unpack every single issue that they've experienced to get the results. Therapy is like opening up that emotional baggage and sifting through all those contents and labeling them and examining them. Whereas hypnosis, you can take that emotional baggage and just chuck it out the window and just get rid of it. And when you change someone's memory, part of them is still going to remember, of course, this is not exactly how it happened, but you create essentially a separate timeline, a parallel timeline in their mind. And that change has such a huge ripple effect because let's say one of my clients came in because they were bitten by a dog when they were four years old. Every single coping mechanism that was built on that fear, that anxiety up to this point in their life, whether that's um, overeating or being too short with people or avoiding a certain part of town because there's a dog park there, every single coping mechanism that was based on that starts to crumble because the foundation is no longer there. And so you see these huge ripple effects that way. And on the other end, when we're working with someone's future, we are essentially rehearsing. And a lot of people know the idea of visualization. What they don't know is that's essentially basic hypnosis. You are visualizing an event that hasn't happened and you are essentially training your brain to have done this thing you've never done before, perhaps in certain cases. And by doing that over and over again, you are conditioning your mind without actually doing the event. And so that's one of the ways that we create that change. So with all of these changes, I always recommend people come in for at least two sessions. I know a lot of hypnotists like to do a single session. They just like to knock out the issue. Uh, but I really recommend the second session because, well, let's look at it this way. Let's say you wanted to build a house and you had... Um, on this property of land that you were going to build it on, you had this old ramshackle mansion that had been built up over years. You could theoretically go there with a bulldozer and a backhoe and tear it out and rip up the foundation and slap up a house within a single day. That's It's possible, but your house wouldn't be very good. It might not stand the test of time. Really, that second session is about building up those processes so that it does last for the rest of their life. And it's really about the finesse and making sure that we're actually getting their goal achieved. Hmm. Super interesting. It's almost like, I feel like this is a, like a spiritual journey on steroids or something like a spiritual journey that somebody's helping you walk through maybe a little bit faster than <laughs> you trying to, trying to sift through on your own. So this is really interesting, a lot more than I knew. So I certainly appreciate you, you sharing this. Okay. So and I expected it to require multiple sessions like therapy does, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. So what are, what do people tell you? What are some of the testimonials? What do they say, what the, tra the transformation was in their life? They say that they're amazed at how rapid it is. That's probably what I hear most often. And we mentioned, you mentioned therapy and personally therapy and medication, they saved my life at one point. And so I don't knock them. I, I work alongside them. I think that hypnosis and merit therapy and medication, they all have their place and they've all been around because they work for some of the population. But there's been studies by um, 
studies by people who are looking at cognitive behavioral therapy and hypnosis. And a lot of the times they're actually finding that hypnosis has a higher success rate in like a third of the time. Hypnosis is one of the most rapid ways that we can make change. And oftentimes people come to me when they are at the end of the line, you know, they've tried therapy, medication, they've dealt with this issue for years. And finally they're like, all right, I guess I'll try hypnosis. I've got nothing else to lose. And when they come in and they experience those results, they're just blown away by how rapid these changes are. And a lot of times I hear people saying, I wish I would have come in years sooner. Hmm. Okay. So you work with mostly anxiety. So I get that. I get that there are benefits with regard to, to that type of a condition. You also mentioned that some cancer organizations are recommending it. Now, are they recommending it because of some of the mental shifts that need to happen in the healing process? Or is this somehow also able to, to help from a, a health, a body standpoint? A little bit of both. The most common one is definitely the mindset, you know, you really, in any traumatic disease like that, you really have to have a good frame of mind for the long haul. But hypnosis has been studied as far as just how it changes our physical body. People have used hypnosis for um, improving their joints, for um, actually increasing their bone density. And in some cases, these results can be dramatic. I mean, hypnosis for actually removing the um, the cancer cells, it's been a very long process. It's a very been a long documented process. And essentially what you're doing is you're communicating with your unconscious and saying, this is what you need to do. You're giving it direction because the unconscious wants to help you, but oftentimes it doesn't exactly know how you want it to help you. And so by giving it that direction, you are essentially shining that laser point. And often in cancer, what we're doing, we are targeting those negative cells and showing the unconscious mind that these are the unhealthy ones and these are the healthy ones. Leave these ones alone and go after these ones. Wow, this is really pretty fascinating. Um, you know, I think maybe 10 years ago in the depths of my pharmacy career, I would have said, okay, sure. Sounds super fantastic, but how you can, it sounds all super great, but you know, how do I know that? How do I know one hypnotist from another, you know, and what they're actually doing? I mean, you know, it's not like I can, there's no lab for this, but I, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in, in things unseen. And now, now that I know better and when we know better, we do better. So I, I definitely, you know, I, I can get on board with this. I definitely can start to, to open my mind to, to this, I'm a believer in meditation. And if, you know, if we're, we're talking about parallels there, I think it's pretty fascinating. I think there are a lot of modalities when we talk about our, you know, our body and our health and ways that we can help. I think we do get very tunnel visioned on, I mean, obviously I know, cause I've, I've been there on medications and, you know, Western traditional type of treatments. And I think that opening up to some of these different modalities can be so helpful for people who just feel like the other ones aren't necessarily meeting their needs or they feel like there's more. So I really, I love this concept and I appreciate you sharing it. Is there anybody who you have worked with who it has not worked for? Like, is there somebody out there, maybe because they're blocked, they still haven't dispelled their own myths. Who does this not work for? Oh, like any treatment modality, hypnosis is not 100% effective. 
And that's not always because the techniques are, are faulty. I mean, of course, sometimes a hypnotist does not, does not vibe with whoever they're working with. And so there just isn't that trust, but hypnosis is all about a, a loop. And so if a client doesn't trust that person, or if they are not ready to make that change, the change doesn't happen. Really the only, I, so I personally believe that anyone in the population can be hypnotized because we're doing it all the time to ourselves. It's really just being open and willing to make that change. And the two categories of people I say have the most trouble with hypnosis are one, people with attention disorders like ADHD or ADD, simply because hypnosis is all about focusing and they have such a hard time doing that already. And so that's, that's a tough hurdle to overcome. The other one is the people who are not yet ready to make that change. You know, we've heard it all the time, like people who say, I should quit smoking or I should lose these, lose these 50 pounds until they're ready to make that change until they've hit that point we call threshold. They're not going to make that change because it's not important to them. And yeah, we can say some nice words and use the psychology behind hypnosis, but it might help, but it's not going to actively make that change for them. Interesting. Okay. It all makes complete sense. Um, You know, obviously nothing can be a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we push meds all the time and meds are never a hundred percent. So I think it's important to note that you aren't claiming that this is the miracle cure, that there's going to be some hurdles and obstacles and people that this may not work best for just because of their own state, their own, you know, concerns or, or comorbidities and their willingness and ability to, to change now. So I, I, think that it's important to point those out, but really very interesting. What if somebody's listening and they're thinking, hmm, all right, he sparked my interest enough to at least take the next step. What would be the next step? Is the next step looking for, is there some type of a authority certification board? How does somebody find a legitimate hypnotist? Ooh, that's a great question because there isn't a, there isn't like a central board of hypnosis, like there is for American doctors or like and there isn't anything like that because hypnosis is still a, um, it's still, it's still being studied and still being researched. And so you've got a lot of um, independent organizations that have popped up, you know, separately from government, like the um, national, in, you know, the national guild of hypnotists and other things like that. And there's really no way to hip, or I should not, there's really no way to regulate hypnosis at the state, you know, the nationwide, the worldwide level yet, because there aren't that many hypnotists and there isn't enough manpower in government and enough funding yet to really, um, accredit people under one organization. I would, I would recommend they look at hypnotists either in their area or online and see their certification, see who they've been trained with, see if they are part of a guild or a part of a um, organization. There are even um, colleges that are devoted entirely to hypnosis. That's the first step. I'd also encourage them to use their own judgment because there are a lot of bad hypnotherapists and hypnotists out there. People who um, they learn just a couple things and they're like, all right, this is, this is good. I'm, um, I'm fine with this. What I love about the hypnosis community is that they are always learning. And so if you find a hypnotist that, that you trust and that seems like they are constantly growing and constantly building up their, their own schema, their own 
knowledge of what they're doing. That's who I would trust. And for anyone who is, you know, on the fence about hypnosis, who is uh, really not sure how it works in their life, I typically send them to my Instagram because there I've got a free hypnosis test drive because every Friday I give away a 10 to 15 minute hypnosis session on a different subject. And that's, it's not just like a relaxing kind of thing. It's me actually taking the techniques that I use in the therapy room in these client sessions and distilling them down to a general audience. And I really just encourage people to, if they're curious about it, take some action on it because I have very rarely found anyone who has discovered hypnosis and really tried it, who has said that it has not had a profound impact on their life. Super helpful. I think, you know, I, I kind of expected the lack of a, you know, sort of a widely accepted certification board just based on, on how maybe still, um, in its youth, not really in its youth time, like chronologically, but just, there's not a, a volume enough to support that. I'm sure someday somebody will take the reins and create some type of a exam or certification board. But until then, what I'm thinking some might be thinking is what if I look into this and I do get one of those sort of bad or poorly trained or, you know, not legitimate hypnotherapists, what would be the harm? Would there be harm or would it just not be effective? It would just not be effective because no hypnotist, no matter how good they're trained, can make you do anything that is not in your best interest. Because we go back to it, you're working with a person's mind and their mind is keeping them safe. And it's not mind control. It's not, you can't like break someone with hypnosis. The worst that can really happen is that the session is ineffective and you're out, I don't know, 150, 200 bucks or something. I would really encourage them to trust their gut. And I would look for hypnotists who are published and who are uh, recommended by other hypnotists. That's a great sign. But also when you can find out more information on them, aside from just their website, a lot of hypnotists have just like, like their website and it's kind of sketchy and not really great. The really professional ones, the ones who are really making changes in the business and seeing quite a few people, they've got very professional websites and they're published on podcasts. They've written up for newspapers and news sites. You can find them all over the web. Okay. Super helpful. And I will include all of the links as well, including the Instagram, your Instagram page that you mentioned. If somebody's listening, see for me, I would think, okay, this would be similar to maybe a therapy session that maybe would feel better if I was in person with the hypnotist in the age and day of COVID telehealth is pretty much everything. And the ability to have virtual options is kind of necessary. I'm guessing based on the fact that you do this over Instagram, you can effectively do this virtually. Yes. I actually built my practice to be completely online from the start, even before COVID happened, because I travel a lot. And it, there are certain things that you cannot do when you are doing it online, but there are certain other advantages that you do get from working with someone over Zoom. For one, they're in their comfortable place, whether that's their home or an office somewhere, a space where they feel that they can make these changes. And so they're not coming into someone's room and they're off guard they're already relaxed and they're ready to make those changes. And two, it's simply more convenient for them. I often find people who are in, 
um, rural areas or places where there aren't a lot of hypnotists, you know, not in the big cities or anything like that, they don't have access to these things. And so they'd be driving, I don't know, an hour and a half to two hours to reach these people. And it's really about reaching those people where they're at. Super interesting and really helpful, especially now uh, people looking for options and maybe they live in a very remote area and don't have options near them. So really, really great. I appreciate this, Doug. I appreciate your insights and uh, you being transparent and being uh, patient with me as I dispel my own myths. Because like I said at the beginning, I am very ignorant to this, but I have learned a lot and I hope that our listeners have as well. Where can people find you? I know that I will I have already mentioned that I'll put this in the show notes, but can you just end with where people can find you and maybe just more information, more resources that are are legitimate and accurate? Of course, they can find me at my website, anywherehypnosis.com. I also have a a seven-day stress-free challenge. These are the tools that I give my anti-anxiety clients um, to help them if panic arises in between sessions. And these are not just feel good tools. These are actually backed by science, by the studies. They're tools that you can use within two to three minutes. And they, um, they're, they're very simple, but they're actually using the same techniques that come from neuroscience and psychology and hypnosis. And they're just really distilled into a very small package. They can find that video series on my website as well. Super helpful. Thank you so much again, Doug, for your time, for sharing with all of us. Um, maybe I'll get the uh, <laughs> courage to, to actually do this one day. Um, maybe I'll have to do it with you on a live podcast. I don't know. That would be really courageous of me, but I do think that it's so valuable for people to get this background knowledge and then just open the door. That's all I'm, you know, I'm feel like I'm ever doing is just opening the door to just more curiosity because this might be the one thing, you know, one person who's listening needs. And if I can just open that door to the, taking the next step, learning the next thing about it, then uh, I feel like we've done our job. So thank you so much, Doug. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Doug for sharing this experience, his insights, and some advice for those who might be interested in pursuing this option. I think it is a path that one might consider taking, and I certainly feel better about it now that I know more details, and I'm thankful to Doug for sharing that with us. Again, if you enjoyed this episode or any previous episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take just a minute to review me on iTunes so others can find these episodes as well. I look forward to seeing you here again next time.